Welcome to Rumiki Talks podcast. I'm your host, Konstantin Starodetsky. This is a space where I interview professionals from the entertainment industry and discuss popular film-related topics with my co-host and producing partner, Rumana Dinevska. Our goal is to help and motivate aspiring filmmakers to get their films made. Enjoy. Welcome to another episode of the Rumiki Talks podcast, number 14. Negotiating your fee as a creator. All right, today we're going to talk about how much should you charge? It's important to understand why are you deciding to spend your time on a particular gig? What is your purpose? What, why do you want to be on the set of that particular film? As a director, as a writer, you know, sometimes as a cinematographer and any other creative position. So we're going to start by talking about reasons why you should work for a fee and reasons why you should work for free. So let's start with the ones for a fee. As everyone in LA would tell you, man, I got to pay my rent. That's the most common thing that you would hear people say when you try to get someone to work (laughs) for you for free. People do need to pay rent. People uh, need to live in their apartments. They need to buy groceries and they need to do the normal things people do as any other job. You know, you clean the streets, you get paid. You direct a movie, you should get paid. And so on and so forth. There are a lot of reasons to work for a fee, not just to pay rent, but to just feel that you accomplished something as a creator. You know, you, you've been studying, you've been practicing, you've been making films. And now it's time to get paid for that, as for any other type of profession. It's always great to work for a fee. And another reason I would mention to work for a fee is to just work better. You know, sometimes if you don't need to think about paying your rent, paying your bills and paying other things, you actually have more time to work on the project, especially if you're a director on the project, because... What a lot of people don't understand that how much work goes into the pre-production, into the part that nobody sees. You know, when you come on set, people think, oh, I just woke up from the bed and I'm going to direct the movie. You know, some people maybe do that, but then it turns out to be something that nobody really interested in watching. But truly great films, the directors, the creators, they spend a lot of time thinking about the film, designing it, visiting galleries, Uh, sketching out storyboards you know just for for themselves to portray the world writing out longhand the tone of the movie or typing in a typewriter or whatever the tools you prefer there are a lot of work goes into creating the world creating a movie especially as a director and i'm going to be focusing mostly on the directing part of it but it can be applied to many other creators type of position those are kind of the three main reasons that you work for a fee. There, there, a lot of in between, and so so on and so forth. But these are the main three reasons to to work for a fee, and they're pretty logical. You probably already knew about it, but I just wanted to set them out loud and clarify them again. Okay, now let's move to the reasons to work for free. <laughs> I almost hear that everyone is waiting right now to to judge me for saying the following statements. But it's fine because I'm not going to say anything ridiculous or anything that will cause you to be angry. What I'm going to say is that sometimes there are moments where it's good to work for free. 
but it depends and it depends on a lot of reasons for example all right you get an opportunity of your lifetime that someone got funding for a short film that has a potential to be seen by many people you know someone got a grant for a film like a writer or a producer they got a grant for a certain film or or, or they got the rights to a certain project which has a very high potential to get into prestigious festivals and you see that you see that there's a lot of work been done before that it makes sense to consider working for that project for free especially if you don't have enough projects under your belt because first of all when you do decide to pursue that type of project you need to look at the team do you like the team can they become your friends can they become your future collaborators where you actually get paid for for the job together is that a possibility? Are you interested in the story itself? Even, even okay, it won grants and so on and so forth. But are you actually interested in the story? Is it resonate with, in your heart? And I want you not consider this as an opportunity to pay your rent or a job. I want you to consider it as something that you create. Because it's so hard to make a film. And when we get an opportunity to have like all this funding done, all those hard work done, all the script written, and you get a chance to to direct it and you love the story, then you may consider to taking it because you, in a sense, investing in your future. You're investing uh, in a potential success of the film. You're taking risk. And with the, especially with short film, honestly, you're not really going to make money out of a short film. Serious money. So the only thing that you know that this project can bring you is to bring you more paid projects in the future. And that's why it's very important to look at all those details. Who are the creators? Do you like them? Do you like the story? Does this project already have some kind of record of grants or some other financing? Maybe some private financier that invested in this film. Or maybe an actor approached you who had the budget for the film and he just needs a director. But... Here it can get tricky because usually actors don't know how to, to make films from the director's perspective and creator's perspective. They're just looking for someone to help out. But then there are sometimes actors who are really good and they have a great story already written. Then you can consider this project. So you have to read screenplays. You have to understand which screenplay is good, which one is okay. If it's an okay screenplay, then, well, you probably have to charge. But if it's a screenplay that you're interested in, that sparks something inside of you, then you may consider working for free for this project. But I urge you not to think about it as that you're working for free, that you're a slave to this project. I urge you to look at it as an investment in potential projects that you can direct in the future and potential of making friends. People, sometimes they go clean beaches from the trash for free. They don't expect any reward for that. You can think of this project as a donation. You're donating your time to this project which gives you a lot and another great thing when you work for free it gives you a lot of creativity because when people don't pay you then you can do whatever the hell you want i mean within reasonable boundaries people look at you look at what you've done and they know that what you can bring but it means that you're not constrained by being paid that someone hired you and you have to follow the rules you can create you can Bring the best, the riskiest ideas you can for this project. And that's why sometimes working for free is amazing because it allows you to 
explore your most creative self. And with that, let's move to the next point. Rumki, tell us a little bit about the balance. How many projects should you take for free and how many you should be paid for? I don't think there is a certain number. That balance depends on you as a person, as a creator, really. I suggest you can still work for free, but have a limit. Have a sort of a deadline. Know until when are you going to keep accepting free work. Like you said, I think you said some great reasons why someone might consider free work. Whether it's um, you help a friend, a really good friend, or you see potential in this project in the future, or uh, you see uh, that the project is vouched for by some other entities like uh, donation or funding and you really believe in it or just you want to get credit and some interesting experience perhaps but you still have to uh, really set that limit for yourself you cannot work for free indefinitely I mean not because you have to pay your rent but just because even for your own self-worth You have to come to a point where you say to yourself, okay, look, I've gained enough experience. I've been out of school for so and so years. I've gained enough credits. And now I feel that I am confident to actually charge for the skill set I have and the services I can provide. So it really depends on the creator. But you do have to, I, I really suggest that you have to have a limit, like a deadline until when are you going to do this? Because you cannot keep doing it forever. Sometimes people get stuck in that free labor environment or like not even free labor, let's say uh, projects that are very low paid, which is which can even be sometimes worse because you're doing a lot of a lot of work and you're getting like paid very little for example let's say someone wants someone to create a music video for them and i see this very often hey i need a music video created of course a young director might jump on it yes i would love to create a music video i need that experience if this person has a budget to actually make the video nice i would love to work for it but and even work for free but what does work for free entail because Creating a music video is not just you directing it, it's you casting for it, it's you preparing everything, is it you editing it as well? And in editing you can spend so much time depending on how many revisions they need, how many cuts you're going to do, or just how many hours it's going to take you to actually edit this thing. So you have to be mindful of all of these things. And then it becomes a three, four to five person job and you're getting paid very little for it or you're getting paid nothing also you have to be strategic about it be smart about it is this really worth it what am i actually what is the valuable experience that i'm getting here or is it some valuable credit that i'm getting that in the future might get me some bigger gigs so i think everyone has to set a limit for themselves do you have anything to add to that? I just wanted to add a little thing to what you said. I recently saw like a picture somewhere on the Instagram, which is so funny. And it's kind of to the point what you just said. 
it's a it's about editing editing jobs so for example mm-hmm. um, there's a price list a picture and it shows the price list the first price i edit two hundred dollars i edit you give me two round of notes three hundred dollars i edit you give me four round of notes five hundred dollars you edit thousand dollars <laughs> <laughs> nice so yeah basically it's a common problem when the, especially in the post-production when there there is an endless amount of cuts that you need to make yeah and i see that every day especially with young creators they're you're basically being exploited for your work and i mean even not to mention for writing you know you might agree to be in a writer's group or be a co-writer and then you can spend months and months writing something without any contract, without any compensation. And you're meeting like every day or like a few times a week for several hours and you're writing and the project goes nowhere. So you have to be really smart about it because time is valuable, you know, and time is money. There's That's the famous quote. You know, you could spend that time for actually writing your own projects that you know that you're going to create or working on your own, other of your own things. Yeah. What are your thoughts on that? What would you add to that? I can hear people screaming, okay, okay, but I still have to pay my rent. How do I pay my rent? And if you don't have enough experience or established some sort of portfolio or have a network of people to work with, then you have to take any job you can to pay rent. There's nothing else I can tell you, you know. Go become real estate agent. <laughs> as, if only it were so easy. As many, as many people do these days, especially actors, you can see like one person, real estate agent, another one, which is a great thing, you know. You can earn a lot potentially. But it's another thing. It's another path. And it's fine. It's fine. It's all fine. <laughs> so take any job you can while building your own portfolio. You have to keep working on your portfolio. Even sometimes you have to take jobs that you don't want. Sometimes you have to change career path just to make films, just to continue make films. To that, I can I can say that um, Walt Disney once said that we make money to make films. We don't make films to make money. Because once you make films to make money you sacrifice the creative part of it it shouldn't be the motivation for art making money yeah when you make a movie you have to focus on what message you're trying to convey to the audience what you want to bring to this world with this project with this film there's always millions of ways to earn money you can always find one that fits within your skill set but while you're doing that you have to still keep writing and working on your project Create pitches, uh, talk to people, submit to some festivals, screenplay festivals, whatever comes your way. Make sure that you engage in your creative muscle every day. You never know when the great opportunity may come or good enough opportunity may come. But you have to keep sharpening your skill set. You have to keep practicing and practicing because practice plus luck creates great opportunity. But if you do have experience, if you have established portfolio, even if a little one, then leverage that to find gigs, to find jobs that meet whatever the portfolio you have. Whether it's cinematographer or director, consider it as a main part of your job as a freelancer 
to find new jobs mm -hmm. because a lot of time if not most of the time goes to actually finding the gigs and then once you find that and uh, find a good one it can pay for like a month or two months of your time spent searching for that gig so make sure that you regularly search for projects that yeah. you apply different projects online you find networks you contact people in your personal network that you actively you know scanning for new opportunities within your abilities and within whatever portfolio that you have if you don't have portfolio take any job you can and keep building your portfolio if you do have portfolio leverage that and get clients get yourself a gig and you can do it trust me all right room kim now tell us the juiciest part of working for a fee <laughs> Thank you, Costa. So before I move on to that part, I just want to add something to what you just said about the quote from Walt Disney, that one part of it sounded that we don't make movies to make money. We make money to make movies, right? I fully agree with that. I love art. And I think we should all, we need to be doing art, not for money. If you got into this profession for money, you got into the wrong profession, obviously. But I don't want people to get the wrong impression. So that doesn't mean that movie we're not making movies for money, then I should just work for free. No. What we're saying is that it's just human decency to be paid for your time, you know. Especially in the film industry. It's not it's an unusual work environment. You sometimes you work very long hours, twelve hours a day. It's also physical labor, like all day working. And it's just like for you to be compensated at least for gas, like it, or just like a daily rate. It's a human decency, really. And if, like we said, if you do accept work for free, just make sure you ex be smart about it. And Constantine also said, well, if you need to pay rent, yeah, be ready to accept any possible job. I agree with that. But still, I would add to that, not unless. It's an unsafe job, it makes you feel uncomfortable, the conditions are not right, it's a scam, like, it's really, like, nothing is more worth it than yourself and your health, like, don't accept something if it sounds, like, sketchy, or, like, these people don't know, don't have an idea what they're doing, or they're paying you for nudity, whatever, you're gonna regret that in the future, <laughs> so just do it for that. But let's talk about the juicy part. If you do work for a fee, make sure you get yourself the best deal. How do you go about that? Oftentimes what happens is the client that wants to hire you will ask you, well, what's your rate? And you'll be like, oh my God, how much should I charge? Is that too expensive? Is this too little? Look, the best way to go about it is just research. Research, what do people charge in your area for those services, for directing, for editing, for writing? Look it up. And even if you don't feel that you're at that level to charge that much, honestly, it doesn't matter. You are charging the rate that's common in your area. You know, you can start with that like, and just take other examples. That's like, even if they turn to someone else, that's the rate that they're going to get. So that's my first suggestion. You research, you see what are the rates in the area, and 
you can kind of balance off of that and just find the right rate for you but it shouldn't be too much higher or too much lower than that rate then another thing is as a woman and a lot of women unfortunately are a little bit less confident than men about negotiating the best rate for themselves and that's very common in lots of industries and in the film industry as well that's because men have been historically paid more than women and um, to this day it still happens in the film industry what i say to you is do not feel shy i know it can be a tricky thing to ask or to say confidently your rate but there's nothing to be shy about shy about it it actually uh, makes you look more confident it tells people that you know your work you are probably very skilled you know what you deserve for what you have to offer to the project and that you're being fair with that and of the right person if you're like negotiating with the right person will be able to see that you know and if the person that you're negotiating with or you're telling them their rate thinks it's something outrageous that you ask for that much then probably they're not the right person for you to work with <laughs> honestly so i really really highly recommend that you don't feel shy about it like in if you don't ask you're never going to know if a person is willing to pay that rate or not i don't know why like men seem to be much more confident than women when it comes to like negotiating salary sometimes you know you might not feel that you're worth that much but the other person might actually think you're worth even more for what you're asking you never know how people perceive you that's why it's always important to work on yourself and know yourself first know your skill set your level and be confident about what you have to bring to the table if you feel like you are not good at negotiating your salary make sure you practice practice makes perfect you can practice with a friend with your loved one same like you do mock interviews for example just practice how can you negotiate the best possible deal for yourself and if you don't do it for yourself then do it for the sisterhood <laughs> All right, folks, now we're coming to the obsession of the week part. Arumki, what is your obsession? My obsession of the week is the show Surface. It's an Apple TV show created by Veronica West. I really like the show. We watched it together with Constantine. Mm -hmm. It's about a woman that survives an accident from a boat and she lost all her memory and now the question is did she jump or did she get pushed into the water and we follow her on this journey as she's trying to figure out life and regain back her memory and she doesn't even know who her husband is she doesn't remember anything um and it's very fun it's very interesting and it gets you on the edge all the time you're like what's happening oh my god who's the bad guy is there a bad guy it's wonderful But unfortunately I heard that they are thinking whether to renew it for season 2. I really hope they do. <laughs> well, what's your obsession of the week, Constantine? 
My obsession of the week is the book Vagabonding by Rolf Potts. I hope I pronounced his name right. But the idea is just incredible. Basically, it talks about how to organize your life so that you can allow yourself to travel long term. Like six weeks, two months, two years, more. I don't know. It's just this idea of thinking of travel not as a reward for your work, but actually as the life itself. You know, we Mm. weren't born to just work. We were born to explore, to, to create, to find new things. And the work is just the fuel that gives us the opportunity to explore life. It shouldn't be two weeks. It should be a longer period of time. In this book, he explains and gives examples of how no matter what profession you have, whether you're a freelancer or a lawyer or some other type of profession, entrepreneur, how to find a way to have that long-term adventure, to have that way of life in a sense. And um, I highly recommend this book to anyone who has a little bit of adventure in their soul. And with that, we ending this episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. And please make sure that you go and you leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. We would be very happy. Another thing you can do is check out our Tribrils campaign on Seed and Spark. Thank you, everyone. Have a good one. Bye. Thank you for listening to Rumike Talks podcast. You can find the show notes at rumike.com. I'm your host, Konstantin Staradetsky. My producing partner, Rumena Dinevska. See ya.